Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. It's the final day of June here on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. I'm J.C. Sherbert here with you. Loving this week in terms of having things to talk about, you know. <laughs> I think it's always nice uh, during the dog days of summer, right before July 4th. I've mentioned this a couple of times. Uh, usually it's like watching paint dry. Everybody's on vacation. We all want to head to the beach, et cetera, et cetera. But this year there's a lot of recruiting stuff, both at South Carolina and um, around the country, really. Uh, I will say this before we get started. Uh, if you have not listened to that SEC podcast with my friend Mike Bratton, um, really good show. And he had a nice tweet out today about the Gamecocks in terms of who has come the further or the most far uh, in the month of June in recruiting. And South Carolina is number one in the SEC. They've gone up. Now, that doesn't mean anything other than it's been a good June, you know, but the Gamecocks have climbed. Uh, quite a bit in the team ranking South Carolina now up to 27th in the 24-7 sports team rankings, which are calculated using 24-7 sports composite rankings, um, and a chance to go higher, I think, and really set themselves up to have a nice base of recruits for the 2022 class uh, heading into the 2021 football season. So uh, going to talk about the most recent commit and some that are on deck and some other movement with some other highly touted prospects here in a second. But this segment, the, the news and notes segment, is brought to you by Heritage Digital. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? I know I have been lucky and not had to be sick and tired of my business computer guy, but I have a lot of friends that have. Does he take forever to call you back, respond to your request? You know the guy. You know, he's like, ah, oh, well, you know, smartest guy in the room, whatever, but your stuff doesn't work. All right, and this can cost you time, money, whatever. So if this describes you, call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. It's an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network, whether you have one employee or 500. Heritage Digital will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. They will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time for one low monthly fee. You can't beat it. The price is great. With clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage Digital has you covered. Again, if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, please call my friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues that negatively impact your business once and for all. Uh, So a business owner out there, uh, you know, if you enjoy the podcast, I encourage you guys to all, you know, take advantage at least of the free consultation for Heritage and also iHelp Consulting uh, that sponsors our mailbag. They do two different distinct things. Heritage is just the IT, the computer systems and all that. And iHelp can blanket cover your business for things like, are you paying too much for Internet? Are you paying too much for health insurance for your employees? That kind of thing. Uh, and if they can't save you money. You don't pay a dime, so there's no risk. And uh, like I said, if you like the podcast and support it, you know these uh, these advertisers allow us to do more podcasting, uh, and also you know it, it helps to get a return on their investment because it kind of keeps us going here. So please patronize both Gamecock oriented and owned businesses. All right. So yesterday, Ryan Brubaker. Four-star offensive tackle from Denver, Pennsylvania, Eastern PA, uh, 6'6", 280, offensive tackle, very good feet, smart kid, you know, commits to the Gamecocks. He's a Penn State legacy. Uh, Talked to some folks. Penn State still wanted him, would have taken his commitment. So the Gamecocks went into Pennsylvania and won a recruiting battle against one of the most storied programs in the history of college football and a program that's had a lot of success. Now, I'll say this, is the narrative coming out of State College, oh, God, what a big loss? No, but that's recruiting. That happens. How many times have you heard that uh, for a Gamecock guy that they lost? You know, that kind of thing. That doesn't mean anything. You know, Penn State's stamp of approval, although I think their offensive line coach, Brent Pride, does a great job, and 
Uh, certainly, they've had a lot of success up there on the offensive line. Heck, they're in the Big Ten. You have to. Uh, you know, South Carolina really likes this kid. So uh, he's a four-star guy, the number 25 tackle in the country per 24-7 sports composite, top 250 guy, uh, number 245 overall, seventh in the state of Pennsylvania, uh, and decided to go ahead and pull the trigger on a uh, – on a commitment yesterday, we thought it was coming probably around July. 4th. I think he was supposed to announce on July fourth. Uh, called up after they got the case and Henry commit to make sure there were there was room, and they said, "Yeah, go ahead and commit it up." And so uh, he's in the bag. That's their first, you know, player that they've gotten north of of Delaware. Uh, Pete Limbo, special teams coordinator. Once he got the job at South Carolina, you know, he's a New York native has coached up in that area before, um, really put an emphasis on being very aggressive and establishing relationships uh, in that area. Uh, it makes all the sense of the world for the Gamecocks to go up there and, and fight battles. Uh, and, and you see that in Greg Adkins' work paying off with the commitment of Ryan Brubaker. I, I, I can't guarantee the Gamecocks are completely done on the offensive line, uh, but I, I would – I would think they are, you know, Case and Henry, Grayson Maines, Ryan Brubaker, uh, all guys that I think are big, tough guys with enough, you know, footwork and athleticism uh, to play, you know, several years in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, you know, now offensive line a lot of times is a crapshoot. And sometimes the guys that are highly rated don't pan out. Sometimes you got a low three-star guy from – Wherever that does, uh, you know, I use Clemson as a reference all the time. Look at their starting offensive line. Uh, there are five stars, four stars there, but then there are also guys that, uh, you know, over time have ended up, you know, starting for them. Jordan McFadden was a kid they flipped late from Virginia Tech out of Dorman. Uh, they're talking about him being a draft pick, you know. Um, you can even look at Alabama to a certain extent. Now they don't, you know, they're most of their guys they sign are four and five star guys, but they go all over the place. And if you look and see how their lines evolve, you know, it's not always the the, the top, top guys that they have out there starting. A lot of times it is, a lot of times it's not. Uh, and that's really anywhere. Uh, so I think that, you know, getting kids that are this quality right now at that position and then considering on campus, you still got Tyshawn Wanamaker. You got Trey Jones, who they really like, who's young. Vershawn Lee, Ja'Kai Moore, Jalen Nichols. You know, all those guys have a lot of um, eligibility left. So Greg Atkins inherited a really good situation from Eric Wolford and is building on that. And I think that that's important in the Southeastern Conference because you're fighting such a battle at that position each and every week, you know, let's just break down reality here. South Carolina plays uh, seven SEC games a year. They play six games against the SECs. That includes Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Vandy, Tennessee, Missouri. All those teams annually have pretty good defensive lines. If they don't, they're probably not that good. Um, and that includes Kentucky, Vanderbilt at times, and Missouri really a lot of times does have a good defensive line. And then Texas A&M is on the schedule every year. And you know those guys are recruiting well on the D-line out there. Uh, then you have one random team from the West that's probably going to be recruiting pretty well this year. It's Auburn. And Auburn obviously usually has studs up there. And then you play Clemson. And Clemson doesn't take a backseat to many schools with uh, their defensive line. So you got to have the guys up front on offense or your offense is going to look bad. Um, I know everybody's scoring points these days and we're coming off a pandemic year where nobody was really playing great defense. Uh, will that be a trend? I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 on it. I said on the J.C. Morgan podcast yesterday, I thought, you know, when we were talking about Ole Miss, I kind of thought, well, that trend's probably continue or in Mississippi State as well. You know, but, but you just don't know, you know. I mean, will this be a resurgent year on the defense for SEC teams? Regardless, you need guys up front that can block. Uh, you know, you, you still got to run the ball, even though a lot of teams do it creatively. Uh, you still have to protect the quarterback. And it is a bloodbath each and every week. I mean, even, you know, I'll talk about this. Even East Carolina, uh, you know, being located in eastern North Carolina, right there in the middle of D-line heaven. When, when Mike Houston, and he will, I don't know if it'll be this year, but he will. When he gets it rolling again, he's going to have a good D-line for the American Conference. I mean, there'll be NFL guys that go to East Carolina 
that end up playing pretty well. In fact, their 2022 class has a lot of sleeper types from the Carolinas that I think will make some big plays for the Pirates. So, so even when you go play East Carolina, when you're in this region, you know, you've got D lines that are, you know, going to attack you. And if you're not good up front, if you're slow or not tough or, you know, unathletic, you know, you're going to be in some trouble, but, but all these guys are, are pretty athletic guys. Um, you know, I, I think just looking at the footwork on film and you never know uh, what's going to happen. I'd probably project Brubaker as a pure left tackle. He's got to put on some weight and add strength, but his footwork is good enough to be a left tackle. Uh, I think Grayson Maines could play left tackle, right tackle, guard, uh, whatever you want. Um, he's probably coming in as a tackle. And then Kason Henry, Kason Henry, uh, I think it's a right tackle and could be a multi-year starter. And if it sounds like I'm higher on Henry than Brubaker and Maines, that's, that's probably right. I like all three of them a whole lot. But if I had to split the hairs and rank them, I'd probably rank Henry ahead of the other two. But it would be close. Uh, and, and, you know, the other thing I like about these guys, too, I like their fight. You know, they're, they're not just – big athletic guys that sit there and kind of halfway punch at you and, and all that, you know, these guys are, are ball, you know, brawlers. And, and I think that's something that you can always use on the offensive line. Like I said, don't know if the Gamecocks are done yet there. I uh, got some word yesterday. They may not be, but probably are. So recruiting is very fluid, ladies and gentlemen. So that's, um, that's something that happens there, but certainly, uh, you know, people, out at Oklahoma State, when Greg Atkins got let go off Mike Gundy's staff, they're talking, griping about recruiting or whatever. You know, I think you're seeing Greg Atkins can recruit. I've known this for a while when I covered national recruiting for rivals back in the mid-2000s. And he was at Tennessee. We all remember Michael Orr. He ended up at Ole Miss, the blindside kid. Well, Tennessee was number two. And Philip Fulmer and Greg Atkins sort of tag-teamed him. So, I mean, that that's still – with all the family connections, Tennessee was still – disappointed they didn't get the kid they thought they had him and he's a Memphis kid on top of that if it's much harder for Tennessee to sign kids out of Memphis uh against Ole Miss and teams like that in the west than you know it is to sign maybe Nashville East just because that that state's so long and it's you know I think it's probably what six hours from Knoxville to Memphis so I lived in Nashville for a while I should know that but you know, Greg Atkins can definitely recruit. I mean, I, I think that we're seeing that right now. Pete Limbo certainly late, you know, setting the table up in the Northeast. Uh, I think um, another guy that you, you got to kind of say, hey, you, you didn't know coming in. Uh, outside of a couple of years at Maryland, he's been a head coach at the FCS level and the Group of Five level. He's at Memphis last year, so you know, coming into the SEC. Uh, you know, big boy recruiting, you know, you just didn't know. And I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know if he would be bad. I mean, he's just like, Hey, you know, special teams guy, you know, been a head coach before. Maybe he's like the evaluator type. Nah, he's very aggressive and got after it. And every one of these guys on the staff now uh, is really getting after it. And, and I've said this a couple of times that that's been the surprise to me because you know, coming from group of five or one year at Illinois or wherever, you, you just don't know. And a lot of times, and I've covered recruiting a long time, the guys that are kind of the names that you hear about, a lot of times when they come to a place like South Carolina, and we saw this under Will Muschamp with Lance Thompson and to a lesser extent, Brian McClendon, you know, they, they, they they're kind of used to selling a different, history and a different thing like you know like that and if you think about Steve Spurrier and his best recruiters you know they were guys that didn't come in with like a long resume um Lorenzo Ward had a pretty good resume being at Virginia Tech but Virginia Tech's a school that needs to recruit a little I mean South Carolina needs to recruit a little bit like uh you know you think about Jay Graham he came from Miami of Ohio how how good was he you know G.A. Mangus came from Middle Tennessee State and division three ball in Pennsylvania, really good recruiter. Uh, Sean Elliott, App State, solid recruiter for the Gamecocks over the years. Um, you know, you, you just sort of look at that staff. I mean, and, and then Muschamp staff, they have the two best recruiters, probably if you, besides Muschamp himself, and, and Muschamp had 
a lot to do with some of the recruiting battles Carolina won. Uh, I think you'd probably say Mike Peterson and Bobby Bentley uh, were up there. You know, if not the top two, at least two of the top three. Well, Bentley was a, an analyst at Auburn, not a not an on-field coach, first-time on-field coach. And Peterson was an analyst at Florida. So, so sometimes it's the guys that get that bigger opportunity that end up recruiting well. I mean, I, I'll go back to, uh, you know, Billy Napier at Clemson when, when he got promoted. You know, he was one of their better recruiters, and, and he had been at South Carolina State. Uh, so sometimes those, a hunger uh, is kind of a good thing because I, I think, too, that coaches burn out in recruiting. Um, I think that it's it, – and in these days, it, it could happen fast. And uh, I think they kind of get sick of the whole this, that, and the other. Um, now, some guys will always recruit well. Uh, Torian Gray and Justin Stepp certainly came in with a track record at a high level, SEC, uh, ACC. Um, you know, some guys will always have it in them because they love it. Ed Orgeron, you know, obviously he's been doing it for a long, long time. Still one of the best recruiters in the country. Uh, you know, but some guys, you know, I, I think, you know, the hungrier, the better sometimes when it comes to recruiting. Now, on field coaching wise, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens, but you know, you have to, you have to have a balance. You have to do both. And recruiting is very, very important. And let, let me tell you why. Uh, and I said this on the big today, that this class being solid, you know, solid to quite good, which it could end up quite good. I mean, you just don't know yet. Um, here's why this is important. And Shane Beamer, I've said many times, just generally, he's inheriting a better situation roster wise than Steve Spurrier did from Lou Holtz, then, you know, and I could go back to Holtz, but that that first team, you know, Brad Scott actually left Lou Holtz quite a bit. Those Outback Bowl teams had a lot of Brad Scott's recruits on them. Um, I don't know, he went 0-11 his first year, but there were tons of culture issues and tons of injuries, and that was a pretty difficult schedule because, you know, but I, I, I don't mean to go back in time there. Um but, you know, you look at the roster, and, yes, there, there's, there's questions at receiver. Uh, they, they had holes in the – you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that they have holes at receiver. It's just collectively as a group, all 14 scholarship guys, you just kind of scratch your head about. The numbers are there, but, you know, what does that really mean? So there's no question receiver's an issue. Uh, there's no question – on defense, the secondary needed depth and numbers, and that's why they've added a lot of guys. Uh, I think linebacker is a position that's a like a big question mark because simply some guys just haven't been healthy. Some guys haven't played very well. Uh, you know, like Sherrod Green and Brad Johnson, lo and behold, because of the, you know, non-disclosure of injuries last year, uh, didn't know Brad had a – neck fracture didn't know uh, I don't know if that was the neck fracture of Sherrod had the neck fracture well anyway those guys had serious issues that caused them not to play Sherrod Green's played a lot of football um you know you don't know what you're going to get from Muhammad Kaba because he's been hurt most of the time so you know I, I don't know that you know you can call the secondary or the I mean the entire back seven on defense is a mystery and, and it's not an ideal situation to inherit but the rest of the roster you know, shoot, there's a lot of offensive linemen, a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, you know, they've got good running backs. That's better than a lot of people inherit when they take over a team that's only won six games the last two years. I mean, just to be honest. And, you know, I'm not trying to sunshine pump the Muschamp era, but, you know, for those of you out there that were convinced from the start that, you know, you shouldn't hire a guy from Florida – that didn't do well at Florida, I'll remind you, he left a pretty good football team for Jim McElwain at the University of Florida. Now, I don't think that's the same situation here. That At Florida, it was more of a deal where you looked around, they had some tight ends. They were very questionable at receiver, just like they are here. Not fast at all. I think McElwain signed some guys that ended up being good. They left one good quarterback, Will Greer. And uh, – and they're pretty good at running back. They had Jordan Scarlett and those guys. Uh, he left the defense over there loaded. I mean, that defense was, you know, Jeff Collins, who's a coach at Georgia Tech now, needs to write him a thank you note because 
he came in as the DC and just killed it. Um, and they won the East two years in a row. Now I'm not predicting that for South Carolina, but I do think that the roster is in good shape comparatively to what's what Muschamp took over, what Spurrier took over, uh, probably what Holtz took over. Although I think that's in question, you know. So so so, so you got that, and then you know what happens a lot of times when you come in. Now Will Muschamp 2016 class was probably one of the storylines in recruiting history where you, you you sort of look at it and go, wow, you know, he had a month to put this together. And, you know, a lot of his early success, which that was the only success he had, you know, he, Brian Edwards is in that class. Jake Bentley's in that class. Jamarcus King, say what you want about him, but he helped win football games. Keir Thomas, Kill Pollard. Uh, Rico Dowdle was in that class. Kobe Smith was in that class. T.J. Brunson, a draft pick, was in that class. D.J. Wanham was in that class. Sedarius Hutcherson was in that class. Parker White was in that class, technically. Uh, technically, Javon Kinlaw was in that class because they placed him. But that was a hell of a job. And But that doesn't normally happen. Think back to Spurrier's first class. I think they, you know, they, they won some battles for – you know, Carlos Thomas and the late O.J. Murdoch and Jonathan Hanna and guys like that. But you look back, you know, that class finished ranked 18th in the country. But really the better players in that class were guys like Jared Cook, who was a three-star they beat Mississippi State on. Nathan Pepper, a low two-star out of Greenville High. Kenny McKinley, a low three-star quarterback guy. Um, you know, a lot of guys, Lim John Pierre, uh, who came in as a defensive tackle. Of course, Ryan Suckup had committed to Holtz. But, you know, the higher rated guys, Murdoch, uh, you know, God rest his soul, uh, wasn't a guy that did anything. Carlos Thomas got moved to corner. Jonathan Hanna quit. Um, and, and so your first class is, is sort of a crapshoot. So you know, you go back and, and because of the pandemic and because everybody redshirted last year, uh, and I'm going to try to explain this as best as possible. Um, you know, everybody griped or a lot of people griped. And they're, they're the same people that are like, I've heard this song and dance before just because, oh, God forbid, South Carolina fans are excited because there's, you know, recruits that want to come play and then the vibe is good. Finally, you know, God forbid that happens, but, uh, you know, they were focused on the 80th ranked class last year. Well, look, that that that's fine and fine and dandy. But but what everybody's totally forgetting here is the the final class that Will Muschamp signed, the 2020 class, was 19th nationally, included. Jordan Birch, Marshawn Lloyd, Luke Doty, Boogie Huntley, Muhammad Kaba, Eric Shaw, Tonka Hemingway, Zaquandre White, Wanamaker, who I mentioned, Trey Jones, who I mentioned, uh, a bunch of defensive backs, Fortune Hill, Hunter, Rashad Amos, who's a promising back, Gilbert Edmond, who I think you'll hear from, and two good kickers and Kai Kroger and Mitch Jeter. That, that's not everybody. Justin Turnitown, I didn't mention him. Rashawn Lee, I didn't mention him. Uh, but Jaheim Bell is in this class. Um, that's a lot of guys that we know right now have promise. Now, have they arrived? No. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd does not have a carry to his name at South Carolina. Uh, Jordan Burge had a slow start because of COVID and all that good stuff, but I think we all know he's a pretty talented guy. Jaheim Bell was hurt most of the year. I think we saw in the spring game, he's got a good shot. Same as Quandre White had a good spring game. We know about Amos. Uh, the defensive backs got a lot of good experience. So, you know, Kai Kroger ended up being one of the best punters in the SEC. So this entire class, guys, whereas you sort of look back. So let's let's go back in time to the 2015 class, the class before Muschamp got to South Carolina. And there were some players like Zach Bailey that he got, but Dante Sawyer eventually became good, A.J. Turner. But then Shamik Blackshear, Jalen Christian, Sherrod Pittman, 
Christian Pellage, Dexter Weidman, Lorenzo Nunez, Christian Owens, DJ Neal, Tory Boyd, Boozy Whitlow, all guys that, um, you know, Ernest Hawkins. I mean, you know, the, the best players in this class were like Gerard, uh, not Gerard Washington, good Lord. Kyle Markway, Rashad Fenton ended up being a good late pickup. Uh, Mon Denson and A.J. Turner, I think, outplayed their rankings. Zach Bailey obviously was good. Markavius Lewis gave him two solid years, was the highest-ranked player in the class, but he was he was just solid. Um, you know, let's go back to the uh, 04 class, which was the last class under Lou Holtz, and this was the one after 63-17. I mean, okay, so – Jonathan Joseph and Sidney Rice, who if Clemson had offered him, they were going to lose him. James Thompson played a little bit. The Lindsey twins played a little bit. Jamon Meredith was a steal. He was a two-star guy. Go Simpson, they got him, uh, you know. But <laughs> there's a lot of guys here that just did not do John Paul Gillis, uh, Antonio Lamar, Germinder. Germinder Thins had a – cup of coffee as a starter but the point is you know you you look at 04 for South Carolina you look at 05 for South Carolina because you could look at 15 and 16 uh, with uh, Spurrier Muschamp but 16 was such an outlier with multiple NFL players and multi-year starters and stuff like that you know I'll I'll go back in time and sort of use this uh you know, you start talking about 04 having a high bust rate and then 05. And it's no wonder that Spurrier's worst team was 2008 at South Carolina. And I know you're saying, well, the 07 team lost five straight games and didn't go to a bowl. 08 went to the Outback Bowl. Yeah, but really think about that 08 team. Uh, you know, they <laughs> – I'm not going to say they were lucky, but they had – opportune times that that was the one year Arkansas was down. Arkansas was the permanent opponent under Petrino. Um, kind of the nut to Petrino thing. Carolina got them at home and beat them. I mean, I, it, you can ask anybody who's on that staff. It's a miracle. They won seven games. And you notice after that year, the way it ended with Dabo beating them and Florida beating the crap out of them. And then the Outback bowl with Iowa was awful. That was probably the worst three game stretch of Spurrier's career at South Carolina. Because uh, at least in 07, they were losing close games and you had Corey Boyd and guys like that. But, um, and, and you notice there were six new assistant coaching hires after that. So, so my point of all this is, and, and, and you can even move it up to Muschamp and say the holes in the 15 and 17 class were not enough to sustain the guys they got in 16. Um, if you don't have a base, you know, it's going to set you up to to have to patch some things up in year three or four. You know, depending on who all you inherit. So I'll get the, I'll get back to Shane Beamer. <laughs> Shane Beamer has a heck of a class for twenty twenty that all redshirted last year. I mean, you know, and I know everybody else in the country got the redshirt too. Don't get me wrong, but you know, Jim Grove at Wake Forest. Why was he able to win at Wake Forest? He redshirted every class every year, the whole thing. So it's a luxury when you get to do that. Um, a lot of these guys didn't even play anyway, uh, so they would have redshirted anyway. So you got a top 20 class sitting there as your foundation moving forward. In 2021, uh, and I think this is smart, very small high school group uh, coming in, lots of transfers, Prunty, Brown, Spaldings, and all of them have different uh, – levels of eligibility left some of them have a long time some of them don't but it plugs holes in the roster and, and so you have it you, your transitional class is transfer heavy uh which i think is a good thing because technically everybody redshirted in 2020 anyway so you kind of combine those two groups um and, and you know I, I could care less that it was 80th in the country there's a lot of guys in this class especially the transfers that are going to directly impact Carolina winning games this year, directly impact. Uh, and I think that's a positive thing. So, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, you know, there's your, there's your transition year. You know, the, that that's, this would be similar to the 05 group with Spurrier that was ranked high, 
but go back and look at that commit list. You know, it was ranked high because of Jonathan Hanna, O.J. Murdoch, Carlos Thomas, guys like that. Very few of those guys were even left by the time 07, 08 came around. Great, some great evaluations in that class. Jared Cook obviously was one. You know, Ryan Suckup's still in the NFL from that class. But, uh, you know, you look at the numbers and, and they weren't there. The numbers are positive for Shane Beamer right now when you take 2020 and then take 2021. Uh, and so you're not getting really top heavy with 21 because all the transfers kind of have, they, they kind of slot into different classes. You know, you kind of make it up for 2018, 19, that kind of thing with some of these guys. So the key for your first full cycle is keep it going and don't get behind because in a first full cycle, you can get behind. Let's go back again. Let's go back to must champ 2017. This is a class that was ranked higher than 2016, but probably can't hold a candle to it. You, you, Jam Williams was the highest rated guy in the class. You do have some NFL guys, Shai Smith, Ken Law came back in that class. Keyshawn Nixon was in that class. You have some guys that are still there like Chad Terrell and Ortray Smith. Um, Aaron Sterling was in that class. Eric Douglas was in that class. Dennis Daly was in the NFL in that class. But you also had some misses, the Caleb Chalmers of the world, poor Jordan Carty, who had a lot of upside, Eldridge Thompson, Zay Brown, you know, Damani Staley was in that class, Summy Carlay, Devon Bowen, who had to quit football, Will Register never really panned out. Um, MJ Webb still on the roster. Jam, we know he went to Georgia State and became an offensive player. So there were some holes there. So the first full cycle sometimes, that can – you know, that could be that could be tricky for you. Now, Steve Spurrier, first full cycle. I don't think anybody had expectations for this class, but <laughs> they ended up signing Darian Stewart, Captain Munerlin, Spencer Lanning, Rodney Paul, Kutch Eckerson, Eric Norwood, the Brinkley brothers, Emmanuel Cook. Uh, you know, that that class arguably Eric Norwood, I, I hope I mentioned him, arguably had a higher hit rate than the 05 class. But that's still, I mean, there was Clarence Bailey and Clark Gadsden and Seaver Brown and Van Daryl Shackelford and Nick Prochak and Pierre Andrews, Chris Hale, you know. Uh, there, there's some misses there. You know, for every Terrence Campbell, there was a Pierre Andrews. So, um. You know, so what you want to do if you're Beamer, because this would be Beamer's 06 class or Beamer's 17 class, uh, is you want to you want to stay ahead of the game and sign a quality group. You know, because if you start reaching and stuff like that, uh, that can come back to bite you. You know, with Spurrier in 06, it didn't. You, you kind of thought they were reaching, but I, I think in that class, Ron Cooper and Tyrone Nix did an outstanding job of going and, you know, locating guys like Stewart, like Munerlin. And that really kind of helped the defense stay afloat for a while uh, at South Carolina. So, you know, so you want to stay afloat. So, so what do they have? You know, number 27 class in the country, 11 commits right now. Um, you know, you have a four-star quarterback who you beat West Virginia, Georgia Tech, and some other schools on that has a lot of offers. Uh, you have a four-star offensive tackle out of Pennsylvania. You beat Penn State for. You got a three-star linebacker out of Georgia that was committed to Georgia that you flipped. Um, they may not have talked to him in a while, but, hey, you got Anthony Rose back. You know, he's a obviously a big athletic safety type out of Miami uh, who a lot of schools were after. Javante McClendon had a long offer sheet. Uh, I don't know that there's – because of his relationship with Torian Gray, I don't, I don't know – if there's one school they beat on him, Grayson Maines, you beat Tennessee and others. Jamal Weish, you know, you, you, you sort of look at him. Had a lot of claimed offers. Florida had offered him uh, probably – I don't know if that was to come to camp or not. Indiana, obviously their evaluations make a lot of sense these days. Ole Miss, Pittsburgh, uh, Kentucky. Uh, yeah, I don't know the, the exact team the Gamecocks beat on him, but uh, – he did have an offer list, Kawan Banks. You know, you, you look at it, probably not a huge offer list. You know, you got Louisville in there, Nebraska, Ole Miss, Tennessee, West Virginia. 
Um, but they like him, and Tory and Gray's made a living on guys like that over the you know time. Case and Henry was Kentucky, North Carolina. Peyton Williams is interesting, the kid out of Texas, because Florida State had offered, Maryland had offered, but his in-state all Colorado had offered his in-state offers. You know, maybe not that much. So that's kind of an outlier, but it's hard to pull a kid from Texas and, uh, you know, Rockwall Heath's obviously a, a pretty good school. And then, you know, Kyla Horton, the in-state commit they have right now, he went to camp at Virginia Tech and got an offer immediately. So, you know, he's one of those South Carolina kids that probably would have, you know, double-digit offers right now. So, you know, it, it's not like they're just going and, signing a guy with no or getting commitments from guys with no other offers you know these guys are you know somewhat highly recruited i know the star ratings aren't you know what they're going to be uh, and i think that can also work both ways i think there's some guys that'll go up guys that'll go down in this class uh and, and that leads me to what i'm what i'm going to say next is here's what's on deck another kid out of texas landon sampson uh, a wide receiver from South Lake Carroll plays with the number one player in the country, a quarterback, go watch his film. He's fast. He runs good routes. He's athletic. There's a lot to like about him. He's a U.S. Army or, or what used to be the U.S. Army. They used to call it the All-American Bowl. Now it's kind of the Adidas All-American Bowl. Um, so, yeah, he's an All-American all <laughs> and uh, plays with uh, Quinn Evers, who's committed to Ohio State. He's the number one player in the country. South Lake Carroll always has guys out there in the Dallas Metroplex. So he's sort of a guy to keep an eye on for one of these welcome homes coming up. Uh, and with the needed receiver, you know, hey, look, if I need receivers, I think guys like this, you know, that are going to come in and – run good routes that are fast, that are, you know, competitive, that are used to playing in a pass-happy system and, you know, used to being tough and getting the crap knocked out of them sometimes, uh, holding on to the ball. I think Carolina needs guys like this. I, I don't know, you know, if Carolina gets him, you know, what kind of stats he's going to put up or whatever, but I know this. I think he's a pretty sneaky good take, and you always want guys that are playing in those all-star games. I mean, that's kind of a given. Um, you know, so that guy's kind of on deck. You got Felix Hickson, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, who's on deck. Nick Emanuare from Irmo is still on deck. Uh, lots of guys out there. You know, and, and then I'll get to these guys. And this is interesting. You know, Brian Doan, who is our uh, Northeast Atlantic Seaboard recruiting analyst at 24-7 Sports. I've known Brian for years. Nobody does a better job. Nobody works as hard. He's very connected. You know, he dropped some scoop on me yesterday over the phone and then dropped it on the board that four-star corner Keaton Nelson Jr. out of Philadelphia could be leaning to the Gamecocks. Now, he didn't change his crystal ball from Penn State just yet, but the concern – about South Carolina was coming from Penn State's in. So that's a good sign if you're the game coach. You know, now we've checked with sources and, you know, they're like, well, we'll see, you know, on South Carolina's in. Um, and the word I got yesterday too was, you know, hey, hope he commits soon. Um, and I think that's because numbers at DB are getting very tight at South Carolina. Um, and, you know, they're, they're in a lot of guys, Traquan Fagans and Antonio Kite. They're still on Chris Graves. I've, I still think he's going to Miami, you know, unfortunately for the Gamecocks. But, you know, you, you sort of look at it, and that's a – Keenan Nelson Jr. is a highly, highly regarded recruit. <laughs> uh, and he's also out of Pennsylvania. So you, you start talking about Nelson and uh, Abdul Carter and Ryan Brubaker and guys like that. You know, shoot, it could be a uh, – you know, it could be quite a haul. Uh, from PA, he's the number 16 corner in the country, uh, mid-four-star guy, fifth-rated player in Pennsylvania. So, you know, keep an eye on him. Uh, I also will take you to the Magnolia State in Mississippi. Uh, and, and this is spot recruiting at its best because South Carolina – shoot, I don't remember. They almost got K.J. Wright, who went to Mississippi State. Tyrone Nix almost had him, and he was ended up like a stud. But um, 
maybe DeAndre Island or Josh Winchell was the last like state of Mississippi guy. I know they've gotten, of course, players out of the Mississippi Juco's are different. I'm trying to think. Was there anybody in the Muschamp era that was from Mississippi? I'm, I'm not sure. But Stone Blanton uh, from uh, Madison, Mississippi. Uh, so here's the deal with Stone. And uh, I was talking to one of our recruiting analysts, not Doan, the other day. He's from Madison Ridgeland Academy in Mississippi. And he thinks this kid's going way up in the rankings. Um, number seven player in Mississippi right now, number 32 linebacker, maybe a top 150 guy at the end of the day. You know, absolute stud. Also a baseball player. Uh, and had a great visit to South Carolina in June 11th. Mark Kingston, you know, those of you that are mad at Kingston but love football, be happy because he had a great visit with him and Shane Beamer and Clayton White, and he, he gets along. I mean, he really – I guess the, the staff really reached him as far as, like, you know, selling South Carolina. So – the question becomes, because he's committed to Mississippi State for baseball and been committed for years, does he want to leave the state? Now, I didn't think he did, and nobody else I talked to thought he did till after that visit to South Carolina. Yeah, he's open to leaving the state, but, you know, Texas A&M's also there. Now we know the Aggies have a uh, they have a new baseball coach, Jim Slosnickel, so, and they love baseball. They got a really nice stadium and put money into it, and their fans support it and all that. Um, and Jimbo Fisher is doing a great job and Mike Elko is a great D coordinator and the Aggies are probably going to, for this foreseeable future, hopefully go against their history, hopefully for them go against their history and have a great team. But, um, you know, there, there's a question now cause they've taken two linebackers as to whether or not stone is the guy that they would take. So stone told Hill McGranahan today, he's going to call him up and see, Hey, what's up? Now, this is a dangerous situation if you're the Aggies, if you are trying to slow play him, or maybe you're not aware that he's going to call and you want him anyway. And, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong, you know, in in terms of that. Um, And then there's also Mississippi State, and he says he's still going to take his official there. Zach Arnett is a very good D coordinator. You know, Mike Leach, you're probably not you know, going to get a lot of warm fuzzies from him. But he's committed there for baseball, and they're about to possibly win the national championship tonight. In fact, I hope they do. I hope they do. After a lot of what happens with Vanderbilt baseball has happened, I, I kind of hope Mississippi State takes it to them. Um, and Citadel guy, Chris Lamonis, too. I mean, that's uh, that's it. But if you're a Gamecock football recruiting fan or a Gamecock football fan, I don't know that there's just recruiting fans. I think everybody – I don't know of anybody that just sits there and looks at the star ratings and cheers on signing day and then doesn't watch the games. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe that works against you. There's, you know, been serious about baseball. You know, that's a national championship program. Uh, and I think right now Mississippi State as a baseball program, it's probably time for them to win one. They've got great tradition, huge contingent in Omaha. You know, you look at their crowds that they got for the regionals. I mean, that you know, they they get after it. You know, they're 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 a deserving champion. So, how much is that going to play a factor? Once he, uh, even if he gets the word from A and M, hey, we're full, or they don't call him back, or whatever. You know, so so there's a lot of ifs. But and look, even if A and M wants him. I'm not just going to lay it up for the Aggies there. I think they're a big factor. Um, And I think that when you sort of look at it, you know, that's an attractive situation, obviously. And I don't know if it's closer to home or not. Probably is. But – and then Mississippi State's always got the pull there. But if he wants to leave the state, I think South Carolina's got a a really a good shot. I don't know about a great, you know, if it's, if it's A&M, it's probably 50-50 kind of deal. Um, like I said, the Aggies are a very attractive program. <coughs> but if, if A&M blows it or doesn't, doesn't talk to him or whatever, and 
Uh, he decides he wants to leave Mississippi, which he is leaning towards doing that right now. South Carolina could end up with Stone Blanton. And, and I think this is a heck of a middle linebacker type of guy. And I also think he could help Mark Kingston's program because he's really athletic. You know, his L cone is uh, 797, brawl jump is 95, uh, 73 inch wingspan, 429 in the shuttle. The short shuttle is what you always want to look for in linebackers because that, that measures lateral movement. And that's what linebackers do, especially the inside guys. They they go sideline to sideline. So that's the Stone Blanton story. So so Keenan Nelson Jr., Stone Blanton, those are two, two guys to keep an eye on uh, as we move forward. I'll also mention Dominic James because I mentioned yesterday, uh, I think James is probably going to Ohio State. We don't know the situation with Ohio state. We can't get a straight answer from some people and Ohio state took a defensive. They got, they're getting crystal balls for another D tackle. So, you know, A&M is in it with him. So is Florida. Carolina's felt pretty good till after the visit. They're hard to read probably Ohio state. So I don't know. Could Dominic James, who I think is announcing relatively soon could he be another d tackle in this class as another four-star guy with a lengthy offer list so you know jimmy Lindsay keeps surprising on the recruiting trail uh and i'm not i don't want to say surprising impressing because you know none of us i'm coming in you know jimmy Lindsay had been at illinois one year during a pandemic lovey smith's on the hot seat i i think when you look at kind of who he's been recruiting to south carolina he had uh he had ended up, um, you know, ended up getting, um, getting, uh, you know, ended up building relationships there and, and continuing them at Carolina. I'm sorry I got distracted because I got Twitter up. Dominic James committing Saturday, 1.30 Central. Uh, keep in mind, he's from Prattville, Alabama. Actually, this is geotagged Prattville, Alabama. So we'll see sort of um, sort of what happens there. So uh, I haven't seen any crystal balls for Dominic James, but I'm going to check it and see because I may – I've been sitting here talking to you guys. So Dominic James. IMG Academy. Wouldn't it be something with the Gamecast got somebody? So still no crystal ball for Dominic James. I don't know. You know, his two officials were Ohio State and Carolina, and he's going to announce. Now, I think it's conceivable with him being an IMG that, you know, Florida could get him. Will he go all the way to Texas A&M? Sight unseen. I don't know. Seems to like South Carolina a lot. So, I don't know. Retweeted Kamari Wilson, uh, the Georgia – Georgia commit, who I think is also at IMG. Okay, so that's not any kind of recruiting thing. All right, so anyway, got to circle back. So that's a kid popping on Saturday, visited last weekend. You know, four-star guy, light on his feet, number 182 prospect nationally per the composite, 145 per 24-7 sports. I'm sure Andrew Irvins, our Southeastern recruiting analyst, is – Busy at work trying to figure this out. And uh, I know Hale and I are. So we'll see. Like I said, I said yesterday, leaning Ohio State just based on feedback. But then there's some other feedback that that sort of happened there. So that's another guy. Highly rated guy. You know, like I said, that's not everything. But, you know, it's better to sign highly rated guys than not. Uh, I think it's always good to evaluate well. And if you're going to swing and miss or take a flyer, swing and miss, take a flyer on elite athleticism and quick twitch athleticism. Uh, You know, I also think sometimes guys that are sort of at the bottom of that three-star pool are probably better than the low four stars if you you know what you're doing. Uh, I got all these theories. But, you know, heck, if you're the Gamecocks right now and you've got a lot of momentum and Dominic James wants to come, I think you take him. Same with – 
Landon Sampson, Keenan Nelson Jr., Stone Blanton, Felix Hickson. I mean, Nick Emanuare. The, the list goes on and on. So South Carolina, uh, again, here, happy fireworks, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, it's July 4th, and usually uh, usually it's kind of boring around here. So I hope I laid all that out for you today with recruiting, with the fact that, you know, you, you got to sort of look at recruiting over – I like to do it over two classes because of the pandemic uh, and everybody redshirting you, you get over three, you know, because that's going to make up the bulk of your roster the next three to four years. Um, or not the bulk of your older players and then the guys you depend on. Um, and so that's that. All right. Speaking of depending on, I told you about heritage digital and Matt Odom that'll fix all your it issues, but now it's time for the, I help consulting inbox brought to you by I help consulting. Now these are the guys that are going to help you save bit money with your business in a variety of ways, internet insurance, whatever you want. Uh, if you're looking to save time and money, I help consulting can help. Wherever you think you may be paying too much, maybe credit card processing. That's a big deal for uh, people in my business, especially when we were an independent site affiliated with ESPN. We had to handle all of our uh, own billing, and it's all credit card. It just kills you every month to see uh, those pennies add up to thousands of dollars. Uh, And with e-commerce these days, I know you guys are getting killed while the banks are getting rich. So... Give Daniel a call, Daniel Owens at iHelp. He can help you save that money, 843-372-5713, 843-372-5713. Uh, if he can't help you save any money, you don't pay him anything, and you get a free consultation. So there is no downside to calling Daniel Owens or texting him at iHelp at 843-372-5713 or visit iHelpConsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. It's a Gamecock-owned and operated company. There's no risk in contacting him. It will save you money. I just laid it out about credit card processing. I mean, you guys know, you guys that depend on e-commerce and uh, people using their credit cards and all that, uh, give him a call. Because like I said, those pennies turn into thousands of dollars really quick. That's Daniel Owens at iHelp Consulting, 843-372-5713, the sponsors of the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. And now it's time for the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. There are two ways to get into the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. The first is uh, you can tweet at us at the Big Spur Pod. Please follow at the Big Spur Pod. That's the Twitter account for the site, or I'm sorry, the, the podcast. Uh, you can also follow it on Instagram, Inside the Gamecocks. That's got some stuff on it, too. Um, and we got a couple of tweets. First one comes in from Joe Sports Caller. He says, who are the instant impact guys from the 2020 class? Um, all right, so I just – so I, maybe you meant 2021 – uh, 2020 is sort of already there. You know, I think Birch, Lloyd, Doty, maybe Kaba, definitely Hemingway, Jaheim Bell, definitely, definitely Zaquandre White, maybe Wanamaker. Uh, Jaston Turnentag could be the starting left tackle. Uh, you got the trio of young DBs. Kai Kroger's the starting punter. But but I, I'm going to take it that you meant 2021. Uh, and okay, so there's transfers galore in, in, in this class, technically. And then there's some, you know, younger guys coming in. Um, I'll give you two. TJ Sanders uh, is a player on the defensive line, uh, along with Nick Barrett, that they uh, there's been some reports out that they've had really good summers. I think that's positive when you're trying to stack the big uglies on the inside. Sanders is a big kid out of Marion, D-line heaven. Uh, Barrett enrolled early and then made the president's list grade-wise. He's from Goldsboro, North Carolina. He's an honor student, 6'3", 330. Uh, big, tough kid who went through spring well. Like I said, made the president's list grades-wise. So he's thriving academically. Um, so those are the guys. You know, what are they going to get out of Omega Blake at receiver? I've mentioned Ladarian Craig at corner. Uh, those are the high school guys that have come in. Now, transfer-wise, obviously – the two guys in the secondary, Karan Prunty and, and Tyrese Ross from Kansas and Washington State, you're keeping an eye on. Jason Brown's in the quarterback mix. E.J. Jenkins may be one of the best offensive players on the team. 
the big 6A guy that came in from St. Francis. They love David Spalding, who came in from Georgia Southern. He played a lot of nickel. Um, Amarian Brown at receiver uh, from Georgia Tech could be a guy as well. You know, if, if I had to really boil it down to one guy, transfer or not, in this class uh, that's kind of a linchpin for 2021, uh, I'd say Prunty. Uh, and that's from the transfers. From the high school guys, uh, you know, because Barrett and Sanders are D tackles, I mean, you've got some older guys there. I don't know how much they're going to play. Uh, I'm going to kind of say Caleb McDowell, Juju McDowell, still the running back out of Lee County, Georgia, uh, home of Jamie, Jamie Robinson. Uh, and, and I think he could make a difference in the return game or slot, something like that. Uh, and that's kind of going out on a limb because I don't really know. I mean, I think Ladarian Craig in the secondary is obviously a guy you circle as well. And maybe Omega Blake at wide receiver. But uh, I'm going to go with McDowell. And it sounds weird because you're probably like, well, you very good stacked at running back. Yeah, but Juju's got a little bit different Juju than those other guys. And you can use him in a variety of creative ways, you know, sort of on that reverse deal they use with Bell or – to carry a joiner. I mean, McDowell can make some things happen. And I think in the return game too, uh, he's a possibility. So appreciate that Joe sports caller. Always good to hear from you. Always good to get questions on Twitter. Dr. Rob says, who is one of the current commits that you think has a chance to be really special? So the current commits, I mean, you guys are putting me on the spot today with long-term predictions. I'm going to go with uh, Anthony Rose because I've been beating that. Now, look, let me back up. Braden Davis is 6'5", 195. Coaches love him in chalk talk. He's a natural leader. He's helping them recruit. He's got NFL bloodlines. He runs 4.56 in the 40 and has a very good arm. So when you talk about potentially special, yeah, but it's easy to say the quarterback in every class is going to be that way because they're quarterbacks. So – that's why I'm going to say Rose. So, so with the caveat that I think Braden Davis has a huge upside, uh, I'm going to go with Anthony Rose just because he's got some some dog in him. Uh, he's got a great frame that's only going to fill out once he gets in the college weight room. Um, he can cover. He can hit. Uh, you know, if I had to go with another one right now that just stands out, it'd probably be Case and Henry, uh, the tackle that they got. But, you know, I, I like all these guys relatively well. Uh, and you never know when recruiting. It, it, it could be whoever. But Rose, Case and Henry, and definitely Braden Davis. So, you know, here I'll say Rose. But uh, if I was talking to you know, somebody that didn't know anything about football recruiting or Carolina recruiting, I'd probably say Davis just because – he is a quarterback. He is the top-ranked player in the class. He's a, uh, you know, the measurables are obviously there. Uh, four, five, six in the 40. That's, that's flying. And uh, the feedback from the coaches is this kid's really mentally ahead of the game. And that's a big part of playing quarterback. So that's that there. Dr. Rob, I certainly appreciate, uh, appreciate that. And uh, – not going to get too much into this, but Dr. Rob is now coaching at one of the greatest high schools in the country, uh, in the greatest community in the country. And I just want to say congratulations <laughs> uh, to Dr. Rob on, on that regard. All right. So the second way to get into the I Help Consulting mailbag is inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. That's inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Love these emails. Love the tweets. Love the emails. Love to interact with you guys. It's not a live radio show, uh, so there's, there's no pressure to sit here and have callers. But um, I think, uh, you know, I, I think that it's a, a good thing uh, to sit there and, and do this. Okay, Harrison says, hey, JC, so I know fans, analysts, and players talk about schools being the position to use of the country. Now it's just personally your own personal opinion. Which schools would you say are the most deserving of titles like DBU, LBI? Ah, that's a tough one. Because I would have to think about it um, a lot. And, and I don't, you know, I, I always like to be right. So I don't want to sit here and and go, well, you know, you got a good point there. Uh, DBU, 
Texas sort of had that title. Virginia Tech sort of had that title. Shout out to Torian Gray. Uh, Gamecocks have put a lot of defensive backs in the league, obviously, which makes the must-champ era and the way the secondary performed even more shocking. But they, you know, they still got guys in the league. Um, you know, I, I would probably still go with, with with Texas historically, but you got to go with Alabama right now. Um, they have guys every year. Nick Saban's a secondary guru. They get the cream of the crop mentally and physically. You know, I'm thinking about a guy like Micah Fitzpatrick and, and all those cats, uh, Landon Collins. I mean, you name it. They have guys that can cover, think, check, whatever you want. They're good in the NFL too. So I'd have to go with Alabama. Linebacker you historically is Penn State. Uh, D-line you? That's tough. I don't know. You know, because in different eras, you can make different arguments for different schools. Uh, quarterback you, I don't know, maybe Southern Cal. If you think about it through time, there for a while they were quarterback you. Uh, would Clemson with Lawrence and Watson be in the they, – they'd probably be in the modern discussion. Running back you is definitely Georgia – Wide receiver you, I'm not touching that because Tennessee and Clemson got in a Twitter spat about that the other day. And I'm not so sure right now that's not Alabama. Uh, tight end you recently has been Notre Dame. Uh, O-line you, Wisconsin. How about that? Uh, but those are just guesses. I mean, look, I'd, look if, you, if, if uh, those of you out there that listen to me go through that, if you'd like to email inside the game at gmail.com and tell me what your DBU linebacker, you, whatever is personally, I'll read it on air and talk about it. I mean, I or read it on the, uh, the podcast. We're not on the air. We're recording Harrison. Thanks for the email. Keep them coming, buddy. Christopher says in regards to Oscar Delp, it's reported that he's going to Clemson's cookout July 24th. Yep, Phil Kornblut reported that yesterday. And to the Gamecocks cookout on the 31st. Is Clemson a real factor or is it more of a Gamecock-Georgia battle? Everything I've been told is Gamecock-Georgia battle. Now, I'll say this. He had a really good visit to Clemson when he went. Uh, they are not recruiting other tight ends, to my knowledge. Uh Sometimes they do that and they'll go all in on a kid and say, you're our guy. And it's certainly a very impressive sort of sell for them. They've also, they're also pretty loaded at tight end right now, though. I mean, they got the, the Galloway kid from Seneca is going to be really good. So, you know, do, can I count Clemson out for Oscar Delp? Absolutely not. Just like I can't count Michigan out with, you know, the family ties to Michigan. Clemson's right up the road from, from Forsyth County, Georgia. And, you know, I don't blame him. You go up there, you hang out with other good players, whatever. Um, I do not think that Clemson is in the top. I, I think that, you know, it is South Carolina and Georgia right now. But, you know, can I, can, you, you never count a program like Clemson out. But with a program that like Clemson's got right now out. Um, so, and I'm not trying to alarm anybody there and, and all that. And I knew when I saw that, there's going to be some questions. Oh, wait a minute. But, um, based on everything I've heard coming out of Athens for Scythe County, Columbia, uh, haven't checked up at Clemson yet to get a good gauge on them, but I don't know that I would get that information or not. Um, you know, uh, it's Carolina, Georgia battle from, from what I've heard. All right, the last episode of June. Really enjoyed doing this. It's in the books. I want to thank iHelp Consulting, the sponsor of the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. Also, Heritage Digital, please, 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 if you have a business, patronize these guys if you enjoy the podcast. That helps me out, helps them out. We all share the love. You know, it's a, both are Gamecock-owned and operated uh, enterprises, as is this. So uh, that really helps me. Also, uh, I don't know if this will be up or you'll listen to it by the time I get on JB and Goldwater here in 45 minutes, but I'll be on there today. Uh, I had an episode with Keith on Locked on the Gamecocks podcast earlier this week. Um, just a lot of, lot of media 
as to consume as we continue to roll. Also, don't forget the bigspur.com. If you're not a VIP member, we set the record for VIP memberships, new signups this week. We were number one in the 24-7 Sports Network. That just goes to show you the power of the Gamecock Nation when things are going the least little bit positive. You know, I mean, South Carolina hadn't played a football game yet. Uh, they haven't gotten a lot of these four- and five-star guys in the boat yet. But things are positive right now around the program. And so, you know, that just kind of shows you that Gamecocks will, you know, get out and get after it and show up. Uh, I was also told yesterday by a pretty good source, and I'll end with this, uh, I give you guys that are on Twitter all the time, tweeting at recruits and getting negative and all that, a hard time. But, like I said, things are positive. There's a lot of positive vibes. Uh, and I was told yesterday, South Carolina's fans on Twitter right now, whereas in the past they've made a difference in a negative way, uh, are making a difference in a positive way because of the positive vibes. Kids, kids feel that. They get it. Um, and so I want to remind everybody that, uh, you know, if, if, if Dominic James calls himself Nick James, if Nick James goes to Ohio State, don't bash him. Uh, always remember that these kids have not signed yet, number one. And number two, with the portal, you know, you never know. I mean, you, you could get one back in a year or something like that. I'm J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Again, thanks to Heritage Digital and I Help Consulting. Uh, subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're, call- whatever they're calling it these days. Uh, and we're going to holler at you very soon. Look for some more uh, commitment news later today. J.C. Sherbert signing off.